All right, I need another round of consulting. I was uh, finishing up dinner, lovely dinner that my wife made because I uh, had to MC a track in the Spring One platform, perhaps going on right now if people wanted to watch that instead of listen to this or if you get a time machine, you can go back. And what I've noticed afterwards, I was trying to clean up some is, uh, well, you know, this is not a big shocker, but the dishes needed to be done. But it was like a day and a half of dishes, right? And, Whoa. Well, you know, and, and I'll, or maybe it wasn't. It's hard to know when there's, um, we have three children and three adults. My mom has been visiting. So we have, you know, six people that generates a lot of dishes. Uh, basically. And she doesn't do dishes? Well, there's just dishes. dishes I'm kidding. Are... She's a guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the dog also doesn't pitch in. It's, it's, it's your chance to show off for your mom. Yeah, well, that's this is hmm, it's kind of turning things around for me. <laughs> but I've been trying to, you know, you know how it is uh, when when you've learned about lean manufacturing and DevOps and, and you try to do the, uh, who was the guy in Austin who did like lean laundry or something? Like you try to come up with like, I've got all this knowledge of how to optimize the flow of a system. And so much of just like housework is a flow through a system, right? Like you've got like laundry is just like moving stuff through a system. You've got like raising kids is just like a pipeline moving things through the system. But I, then I would have guessed Boyd. Boyd <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that it's there you go. That's the one. And so I've been, I was thinking tonight about the dishes. There's some theories, I think, and this might be more of like your kind of Malcolm Gladwell turns out kind of, you know, trickery, but there's gotta be some like tricks to dishes. And so for example, here is I, the one that I think is foundational. This is just mm. purely gold ratty and stuff is like, uh, I, it turns out that a clean dishwasher is a bottleneck. Right. So once the dishwasher is clean, you got to get all those dishes out. It's actually a new problem has been created because if the dishwasher is clean, no one's going to put dishes in there because they're going to be like, oh, it's clean. Right. And so they'll just skip on doing it. So you got to empty that dishwasher as soon as possible. Otherwise, everything all clogs up in a bottleneck. Now, that, that one's obvious. But here's here's what I've been thinking is I have a new theory that if you're going to if you're going to optimize your dishes, you need to do the really big ones, right? Like if all you have a chance to do is like some drive-by dishwashing, like you should find the large ones. Because the large ones, I don't know how, but I feel like I feel like they clog the system, right? Like if you've got like three pots out there and a giant baking pan, it just somehow messes things well, up. Yeah, they're always the bottleneck because, you know, you've got the three large pans and you can only fit two, right? Yeah. You know, so so you, you, you load those first. And then everything else fits around them. And, you know, that that uh, those extra hours or, you know, filling your Kanban board or whatever, it's uh, you leave the the small ones because they're going to fit in, in the dishwasher next. But I do I do think there's some uh, times though where maybe the inverse is true, where you want to load all the small stuff, leaving yourself just like one big pot to wash uh, by mm. hand, right? Because yeah, yeah. sometimes you're like, oh, that pot's in there, and then you, you end up with a lot of stuff that look. Well, I don't know if it volume wise, if it's more, it just looks worse because there's like more pieces, and you're like, mm. yeah, that is. A, I will that's say interesting. the interesting. Um, hmm. this is potentially a controversial take, depending on where you come down on the environment. Um, I will say though, paper plates, incredible optimization around dishwashing. 
Right? Oh, um, yes. So there is kind of well, an argument. Wait, wait, wait. I'll one up here. Eating out. <laughs> now, well, I mean, checkmate, right? I mean, there's nothing I can say back to that. But assuming we constrain it, uh, constrain it to home, it's, uh, I, you know, because you have the water of running and the energy to run the dishwasher versus the waste of a paper plate. And, you know, the, so you kind of have to figure this out, right, a little bit. But if you compost your paper plates... And it can be, that's, I mean, about as efficient as it gets, right? You just, you just, all you're left with are your, maybe some silverware and a few yeah, dishes yeah. and it works well. So I think that, and also I, I do think there's some strategic to your thing about the empty dishwasher. It's like, I do think as a rule of thumb ever, if you're like, Hmm, I wonder if the dishwasher is full enough to run it. If you're kind of like teetering, always run it, like get, just get the batch out, really like get it out of the way, get it unloaded and prepared for the next one. Cause no matter what happens, you're always like, Ooh, Ran out of space. Should have run it earlier. So I think if you ever feel that way, do the dishes right then. Now yeah. this is this is a whole other. You go. I think I think I think you know this brings up a whole other abstract uh, or, or you know a type of domestic abstract thinking, which is I don't know. You know, there's a certain there's a certain level of like uh, pipeline thinking where you do want to batch things opportunistically, right? I mean, everyone has this dream of this single piece part. You know, one one thing goes through the whole system. I don't know. I think like the BMW plant and Mick Kirsten's book does that or something. I I, I forget. But like, uh, I also feel like maybe there's too much batching that goes on in like home cleaning, right? And I, and laundry is an example of that. Like maybe you should just like wash all the clothes every day. Like you just have like every day there's there. a wash. But it still. Yeah, just whatever's there, how little or however much has to like go through the cycle. And then I, the other thing, and there must be, you know, I, I I have around here somewhere some book, some textbook called Lean Mathematics, and maybe I need to study it because I want to do a proof. I don't know the answer, but I want to somehow prove out if you should only do one wash in the laundry and then put it in the dryer. And until it comes out of the dryer, folded, put up, you can't do another wash. Is that better or worse than if you're just constantly going through the system? You see what but, I mean? Like we want like but, but single then you could have like through there. multiple baskets of, of clean stuff to, to sort at the, at the end. So you could, you know, consume those at, at the end. That's fine. I, I, I mean, I mean, this is what I'm saying is I don't let me, you know, there, my sense is that you want like to optimize flow through the system, not batch. Oh, yeah. So for so for example, another thing would be I shouldn't really talk about this because I don't really do the laundry around here. So, <laughs> you know, I should pick something else. But like <laughs> it, it's executed well here. But I think it's I reflect on it, not not in that way, but as a way of thinking about batch stuff. Like <laughs> that's why it, this is abstract thinking. <laughs> is it is it is it better to so let's say you have a laundry room. And you have a big pile of clean clothes and you're like, I want a big pile because I want to sit there and fold it all at once. And then I fold it all at once and then I take it and put it up all at once. Or is it better like once it comes out of the dryer, I fold it all and then I put it away. Right. See how you're there's it's it's a typical like bottleneck thing where there's all these stages where you're like, what is it? You're staging up your inventory or something before you go to the next one, or do you just take what you have and, and, and flow it through there? Just like Brandon was saying, maybe you should just be washing the dishwasher. Uh, just always like just, just the dishwasher should constantly be running 
Like dish you just put in, a dish, dish in there. Out. Well, you know, t- tying this back to uh, the real world of enterprise software. Um, mm. <laughs> I actually had this conversation the other day. I was like, there's no point to doing batch anything. You know, it, like the, what are you waiting for? You know, everything, you know, are you waiting for it to, to get up to a certain size so you can mm. process it? I mean, everything can work through accumulators and you can keep running averages. It's like, why in this day and age, why are there still batch computing jobs? Um, that's, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, unless you're like, oh, I'm going to run my you know scientific experiment. But most enterprises are not scientific experiments, right? Yeah, yeah, or or laundry machines like process. But <laughs> I think I think there's something to Brandon's thinking with the dishes is is it, it's hard to find out if it's if it's clever or just a rewording of the core problem, right? So the cleverness would be that the important like keeping the flow of dishes going is all about frequency. So even if you just wash one spoon, if you just like. If someone just comes by and they just wash one spoon, then like you, the flow is going instead of like thinking you're going to do it all in a batch, right? However, I think maybe the core problem with the dishes getting done is that people just don't do it. Well, hi there. It's me. This episode is brought to you by Strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are you sure your infrastructure access is locked down? StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day trial at strongdm.com slash SDT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Enjoy the rest of the show. Well, once again... It seems like the uh, the infrastructure software world is up in arms that a uh, that a company's trying to make some money uh, where over there in Dockerland. I think now there's two things to remark about this. One of them is just a throwaway thing of just like, I mean, you know, they got to make some money, and uh, and it just is. Uh, there is a bit of a of it is it is kind of a bummer when something that was free now you have to pay for. However. It seems like in the software world we are particularly um, <clears throat> complaining about it. Like, I mean, <laughs> I you know, it's almost like I don't know. I don't even know an analogy. But what I found, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but somehow they figured out writing up licensing and uh, the enforcement of this is what I'm really interested in. That what is it? If you uh, if your company has 10 million. Uh, or uh, above, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I was trying to say the other way. If you have nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand and ninety nine cents or whatever, like or less revenue, you can get it for free. Yep. And I, when I read that, I was just imagining poor salespeople who get into debates with companies about what their revenue is, especially if they're private companies. Or I wonder if this is written into their agreement if they're a subsidiary of another company, right? So could you make a subsidiary oh, 
can yeah. you know could i could i be and be like wait a minute should we just actually, translate this to they really what they're saying is like the fortune 3000 and everyone 50 million dollars and above like yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. going to and maybe just to recap the news so what is the news here is that docker desktop or formerly known as docker desktop you now have to pay for it the personal license is zero it's so nothing still free for small companies under 10 million as cote was saying and then pros what five dollars a month per user Team is seven and business is 21. So I don't know. I mean, I, I had a hard time getting worked up over this one. I felt like, I don't know. It feels yeah. like there was a lot of outrage, but I was like, I, it seems fine. It didn't people really. Don't, yeah, but people don't like, you know, time and time again, we've we've talked about this. People, people don't change. like it when, yeah. when, when you take something that was free and now you charge for it, you know, uh, or, or it's free. It's still free, but now it's, you know, it's not free for everybody. As the case yeah. might be. I mean, this is like the whole CentOS thing again. Well, maybe not. But I mean, <clears throat> do you think there are going to be people who are like, oh, we finally crossed the threshold. Now we're going to start paying for Docker, right? You know, that, yeah. that, that'll be like the new. Uh... <laughs> the, the guy in accounting's like, oh, just went over the nine million. He, he's got some spreadsheet like, set yep, up. It's got like a little in. box that turns green. It's like time to pay that. But maybe oh. the thing you're hitting on, Matt, is maybe the better. It's, it's like putting aside the second like it's annoying right i think to your point like everyone hates this was free a little bit you know some people call it a bait and switch other people's like just say this is a good business practice but i think that's the the, be- the better question to ask is like this doesn't seem like it's going to generate that much money like that's the yeah. bigger thing to me it's like yeah. you're doing mm-hmm. all of this and you're creating some ill will that i think they'll manage i don't think you know it'll it will like um you know be well, too big of a well, there, there's, but there's on probably the you know they're going to be hitting up these these you know big banks that have like five thousand seats of developers, right? right? And so they'll be like, oh, you know, you need to pay us twenty twenty one dollars a seat. Or we'll, you know, we'll cut you an enterprise deal and we'll call it fifteen. But you know, it's if they can hit those sorts of places, that'll buy like a site license. I think that's what they're shooting for. Sure. You know, now, like, now, oh, they, now, hold yeah. on. Let's let's do some math here. So, what did you say it was? Oh, man. 20, math. 20, 20 a month. <laughs> Uh, yeah. For the business license, $21 per month. Okay, so we got Five, 21. Seven or 21, depending on what you're trying to get there. Let's just say 21 a month, right? For yeah. uh, what are you? This is monthly, right? So 21 a month. That, that yearly, I'm doing this spreadsheet right now. Thank oh, you, Matt. you got a spreadsheet. Yeah, sure. We got some screen sharing, watch some yeah. Excel in action. Okay, so we're talking $252. Wait, yeah. why 252 $252 a year. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's say you're one of these, let's say, uh, so 5, you over seats. 10 million. Yeah. Let's do 500, 5,000. And then let's go up. The highest number I've ever heard is JP Morgan Chase having 20,000 developers. So let's put okay. that in there. And right. let's just, let's just spread this out. You you're think JP Morgan to, uh, Chase is going to, going to put Docker in the green? I don't know. Now, when you do, when you do fixed references in Excel, you put a dollar sign ironically for our <laughs> thing in, in front of the thing, right? Cause Wow, you know there we're gonna do the old copy Man, paste. This is exciting. Spell tutorial, yeah. The and sounds and of Excel, yeah. Do yeah. a little little D. We're gonna do a reference <laughs> to D one. Now I'm gonna spread this out here. Now hold on, gentlemen. Yeah. I need to add in some uh, formatting here because I can't read without. You don't have to format oh, it. We man, can't see man, it. Come on, man. I tell you, the investment bankers are going to be very disappointed with us. I'm, you know, I'm just trying to banking, do... the Excel TikTok people are going to be making fun of us that we didn't. So get here we go. We're, we're streaming. This is prime Twitch content. Mm-hmm. So okay, well, I guess I could share my screen. <laughs> no, okay, what, what's the number? <laughs> what's the big numbers? Is so this five, a good idea or not? For 500 developers, you're looking at an income of 126 thousand dollars a year. 
Right. Now, for 5,000, you're looking at 1.26 million. Okay. Right. For 20,000, five a cool 5 million dollars a year. Right. Is, and then we can like we here. start discounting that, right? We'll just say there's probably some like 10, 20, 30% discount 50% depending on discount. Yeah, sure. Depending yeah. on where you're at, so. Okay. Now, now let's let's figure let's figure you got how many? Let's say there's probably mm, 100 banks in the world that are big. <laughs> Sure. I mean, there's more banks well, than that. Say but... the Fortune 500. Say the Fortune 500. Say okay, there's okay, 500 okay. companies. Make some guess there. Uh-huh. All right, all right. Let's let's say okay. Let's say let's say Fortune 500s each have 5,000 developers or 10,000. Sure. Why what, not? What, right. What do you want to go yeah. for? Go 5,000. Well, I think that's an thousand. Yeah. To to throw some grit in the equation, like uh, I was reminded from from uh, from the 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 Twitch stream here. Um, most banks don't allow their developers to do anything locally. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say just so, go ahead. Put put five thousand in just to use it. All right. So if, if we got we got the Fortune five hundred, so five hundred times five thousand. Yeah. Wait five five hundred times that amount is we're looking at uh, six hundred thirty million dollars right there. All so. right. So you know I don't know when you do it when hey when we run the the numbers like seems and then let's just take a let's just take a fifty percent discount across that whole number and say it's three hundred million. So. I'm sure these are probably the numbers they went through and said, okay, so you got $300 million of annual recurring revenue coming in. And so that yeah, probably like, is and now. And how much, huge... how much revenue are we losing from this? Oh, zero. Now, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, hold on. We took the Fortune 500. Now, that's just, let's hire a VP of EMEA and a VP of APJ. You know what we just did? We went to the global 2000. Now yeah. we're looking at $2.5 billion. That's yep. how much we're going to clear. So target addressable Before losses discount. up significantly. No, 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 run your numbers again. Is that everyone on the planet now has a Docker license? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I think you, uh, was it you, Matt Ray? I think maybe you nailed it, is how much money are we going to lose doing this? None, right? There's, because, <laughs> None uh, money. None we, money we, is gone. We currently get nothing. So we might as well try to charge for it. And uh so I think the opportunity with. cost then, and if we're in the room, is like, okay, well, you think that numbers we just came to, whether they're right or wrong, it's sort of like that's probably something the whole organization feels like we can go start trying to get today. And then the opportunity cost would be like, well, we could either do that or we could build something new, keep this free, and then try to sell it to our community that um, we've created all this goodwill to. Like yeah. sell the adjacent product that's explicitly launched as a paid product, a paid subscription. And that we're going to use the uh, Docker personal or you know, Docker desktop previously as our lead gen for, for that new thing. So that would be I wanna, I I, the questions. I want to suggest, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get better at sports. I want to try out. <laughs> tell me if we can work this analogy. In okay, here. let's do it. Uh-oh. Maybe maybe when you get a lot of value out of open source and you don't use it, it's kind of like getting a lot of value out of like college athletes who aren't like really getting paid that much and they don't get to participate in all this value around them. So it's kind of like, Hey, if you're getting so much value out of this, like you should probably be paying for it. Otherwise, (laughs) you know, it's just like, there's some, something's wrong with the relationship here. Right? Like, so all these, you know, if you're making money off of using Docker desktop, right. Then like something's a little weird. Right. Like you're you're free riding on the effort of this community. And the fact that you're using it isn't necessarily like payment, maybe an aggregate, it's payment. But it's kind of like 
it's almost like the, you know, the old change bank thing, except, you know, it's just users. It's like, you know, we, we have 10 million users and uh, these users don't pay for anything, but we've got lots of users and in aggregate, well, the users are very valuable to us. The community yeah. is very valuable. And uh, when we need to, uh, you know, get money, suddenly they're not there. <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> oh, hey, I forgot my wallet back in the community. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think we solved this Docker thing. I think sounds like we're on board, but I want to talk about the wire cutter and oh, what's going yes. on there. That that is well, set the stage first, Matt. What tell? Give us some news. What 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 was the change? Listeners of the show may be familiar with the wire cutter, but if you're not, uh, the wire cutter is uh, like a modern day consumer reports style uh, website where they get a bunch of experts together to review products of every stripe and uh, you know give you their unvarnished by unbiased opinions about what the best toaster is, the best office chair, mouse pad, you know, you name it, they've probably reviewed it. Um, the model was working as uh, uh, referrals. You know, they'd be like, well, we've decided that this is the best toaster. Go buy it on Amazon and we'll get, you know, 2% off your next uh, purchase. And that was their, 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 you know, affiliate model was working for them. New York Times bought them for a boatload of money, said they weren't going to move, you know, they weren't going to change the business plan. $30 million, yep. Mm-hmm. $30 million for, yep. for, you know, the free website. And now they're putting it behind the firewall, the paywall. The paywall. So uh, <laughs> hopefully yeah. that's behind the firewall. Now we'll yeah, say, uh, I did a little reading here. <laughs> uh, the one thing that it did say, so um, at launch, readers will get nine free wire cutter articles a month before being asked to pay for a subscription. Oh. Article. So, so you get nine free, right? And then, of course, if you're already a subscriber to the New York Times, it's just, you know, it's thrown in there. But you get, I mean, so I think the headline, like, I don't know, nine free a month. Nine free is better. I hit it maybe once, maybe, I think I'm I'm probably in the, you know, half that number a month. So you would really, I mean, if if, it kind of feels like that feels right, then it's like, okay, how many toasters are you going to buy in a month, right? You read the toaster, you you click on the link and you're on your way, right? So, yeah. Well, they, they got to be careful of that counting, though, because, you know, you, you leave that browser tab open. You're like, I've been thinking about a toaster for a while. And that tab's been open for uh, like a month. And every time your browser restarts or refreshes, then you're like, damn it, I can't get in to look at my toaster anymore. What was it? Yeah. It, it was the Black & Decker. <laughs> That's right. It was the Vitamix. So I don't know. It, I didn't like get. I mean, also, too, like I'm I'm. Uh, I already had the New York Times. It's already made my subscription list. So therefore I'm like, uh, it, you know, I didn't feel like any actual pain. It's like, oh, fine. I already paid for this. So, um, so I, maybe I'm the worst person to ask, but it didn't seem unreasonable to me. You know, I was like, okay, you get nine free yeah, yeah. if you're going more than that. And then of course you can subscribe just to this. You don't have to subscribe to the full on digital uh, New York Times thing if you don't want. So it seemed, it didn't seem unreasonable to me, but I, I, I think, know, I think it's, uh, you know, I think, I think what it makes me think of is that uh, I feel like, we are seeing, I don't know who we is, the, 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 the consumers, we are seeing and, and probably we'll see a lot more like bundling behind, I'm not going to, instead of saying a paywall for customers, right? Like, <laughs> no, it's very rare that you refer to like, you know, Kindle or Amazon Prime or Netflix as behind a paywall, right? Like, it's just like, no, you just pay for it. It's like, it's behind a business wall is, is the way they operate. And you know, similarly, when you sign up for Amazon Prime, you just get all this stuff, 
right? And so it's a bundling together of things. And it and it would make sense. I, I think I'm no Ben Thompson. But it seems like if you're a brand like the New York Times, one of the things you can trade off of is a large existing customer base and then also just brand. And so you can just keep attaching, just like Amazon, you can just keep attaching stuff to it. And then next time, I mean, I subscribe to the New York Times too, and I think about canceling it all the time. I mean, I know Kim reads it, but I'm just like, you know, if <laughs> if I if I want to go get de- yeah, it's like if I want to go get depressed, I can do that for free by looking at the dishes in the kitchen. I don't need to like pay for a subscription to like depress myself every day. And so like, however, and if you keep adding more and more things, then it's kind of like Amazon. It's like, yeah, I just get all this stuff. I pay for it. I don't even think about it. Now, that does make me wonder, why do you have to pay extra for those fun little games they have at the New York Times? I, didn't didn't you recommend that, Brandon? That seems like I do. the, uh, the bundling strategy. Yeah, there should just be one fee, and it's like, what? Why do I got to pay more for this stuff? The I think there is, but like, it, you're right. But it, when you do the math, I, I mean, this is like the problem with all subscriptions. There's like, I don't know, there's like three or four different subscriptions, and it really should just be one. Like, I'm going to pay you this amount, and just give me everything, right? Don't you know? Don't don't make me uh, build a spreadsheet to figure out which which one of these things makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe what needs to happen is like Apple should buy the New York Times. And then I might consider buying the full Apple One thing, right? That might actually like <laughs> or, make a or, lot of or sense. Or Disney. They'll just throw it into your Disney Plus subscription. Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. There now you we're go. talking. Well, I do think both of these things, it, it is a little bit interesting because um, like the market ult- ultimately will decide. So in the case of Docker, right, if there really is a, a way, a viable business around free there, that seems like somebody will do it. Um, I saw several people recommend uh what rancher rancher has some type of desktop thing i've never done it i don't know i just saw people talk so that seems like one solution so maybe if you're a rancher this is your time to to go out there and like you know try to take over that that docker desktops a place and then the same thing on the wirecutter review site i guess there are a few competing sites and if you can make a standalone business that just makes money off affiliates again it seemed like this is your perfect time to do it right because i mean the playbook is there like and i think most of these writers you know, when you read like who writes it, it's often like a like a a contractor, like somebody who's an expert in toasters or blenders, right? They they clearly write the articles on like a contract, what they call it in uh, uh, freelance, right? It seems like they're writing the article in freelance for the the Times, so it seems like, like you could quickly, media style. yeah, you could quickly. It seems like you could uh, do something very similar, right? You could create this, and then I just thought, like, well, Amazon or Walmart, like, it seems like they would be the beneficiaries of this, like, just have a site that is just constantly reviewing everything and because they're most, they're often the affiliate, right? So it's like, they don't, I mean, right. does it even matter to Amazon? Like who cares what's recommended? They're just going to well, care no, that they Nobody trusts Amazon reviews anyway, though. So yeah, the, I mean, I agree, they've, reviews, they've already poisoned that well. That's what I think. So, but I think if there was like a separate, I mean, this seems like the thing that you would start like, okay, we're going to a separate company, completely editorial independence and just be like, right up, right on everything because we know the traffic generates is going to go it, back to Amazon for us. It could be like the the Cisco spin out spin in model, right? You know, like oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna set up, we're gonna you know have this, <laughs> we're gonna give them a thirty million dollar a round to go launch a referral site. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that would work. But I do think the reviews, to your point, like I'm, just, I, it would be interesting if someone at Amazon, I'd love to hear what they say if they if the position is no, the reviews already provide all of this, we don't need to do it. But because I think your point is like the Amazon reviews, like. 
you have to, re- I mean, it's like its own AI reading uh, the Amazon reviews to see if it really makes, if they're accurate, if they look fake, how many, I mean, there really is like you have everybody that uses Amazon almost has their own algorithm to determine if the reviews are good or bad. I assume that at least at this point. Yeah. They got to apply that, that, that uh, one of the 54 values, just customer usefulness to, to, to those a little more stronger. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash SCT. That's cbtnuggets.com slash SCT. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. Start learning today at cbtnuggets.com slash SCT. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, I think, I think uh, you know, Matt Ray... And his company went through a rite of passage. They uh, they figured out how to run COBOL on Kubernetes. I think I think this is this is so far as I can tell an exclusive club of no SSH JJ and uh, and also Trigger Mesh. So uh, I think I think <laughs> what I'm looking forward to is uh, next week IBM is going to announce they've uh, acquired Twi- Trigger Mesh. I think to solve the COBOL problem. And listen, you need to tell your board, Matt Ray. When it comes to COBOL, I mean, it's either IBM or like Microfocus or something, right? So you, you got to make your choices. I, I, I did find myself, so I wrote up this article about running uh, COBOL in, in Knative serverless. And at one point I had multiple browser tabs open to Microfocus's documentation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with this language? These variables don't make any sense. But you know what? Yeah. I, I can now add profession. I can now add COBOL to that list of languages I've coded in professionally. Um, but but the the yeah, it, it was it was more of a proof of concept. Um, and, and you know, to be fair, I was not the original author. You know, one of our developers did the, all the heavy lifting. I just had to fix some COBOL bugs. So we but, might we might need to have a, a special episode at some point where you and the developer come here, so we can we can really just find out. Maybe we'll no. get we'll get JJ on here. We'll really just find out things <gasps> yeah. about Cobalt. But I want to do a little preview. Tell me in you know in so much you know you spend a brief amount of time with the Cobalt, yeah. uh-huh. and and how how what does Cobalt want, Matt Ray? Like oh, like you know dang. you know like I'll give yes. you like Java really wants you to make objects and hide the implementation. It wants. It wants this facade of what it looks like on the outside, and no, then it also no, wants. No. There, there's no it also wants a, like that. Yeah, yeah. It also Co- Java also wants a really slow startup. Like Java needs to get some coffee <laughs> just so it can go make coffee, right? Like it's that yeah. kind of thing. But with Cobol, what are we looking at here? What does Cobol want? Cobol Cobol came about before they thought of those things. They're like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna slap a language together, and it's gonna need this. All right. Uh, we're going to need a thing called an integer. No, no, no. We won't call it an integer. We'll call it a, uh, well, the, the integer was a unsigned integer. But but let's say you want to float. You're like, oh, we'll call it a float. No, no, no. We're going to call that a comp one. 
a what? Mm. Oh, no, no, no. It's actually going to need to be double precision. Double precision? Comp two. <laughs> You're just like, wait, how am I supposed to figure these things out? I, I, I found like this COBOL to programming language translator that helped me debug the things. And then, of course, the problem was um, uh, just it was a typo. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, the language's like- fault. It was like, you know. Oh, that was supposed to be ARG three when it was ARG two. Yeah, you know, that's that, universal I, I, to all programming languages. Oh, that was a typo. It seems like it yeah. applied to but, but, every conceivable programming language. And COBOL and, and was the original white space is uh, is uh, you know useful or mm. important to the language where everything is indented a certain number of characters. Now, I, my one of my earliest programming languages was Fortran, and there was a version of Fortran where the first six spaces you would was reserved and you would put depending on which column you were in was what that variable type was. Oh, right. <laughs> I Wait, mean, it's is just there weird a group, archaic crap like that. Is it the Python? I mean, are the Python programmers like really, is, they're really in favor of this white space. Like I always feel like, yeah, well, this is yeah. just wrong. Like the white space thing is just uh, wrong. No, but it's like, significant because <laughs> they don't have. Yeah. Is, is there a group of people that are like, no, no, no. The, you know, like any type of like, you know, arcane coding arguments. It's like, is there a faction of people like, I really There's like always the a white faction. space. There's always a faction. People are like, yeah, it's really of, good of to like be looking at my editor and like not realize that space is like, oh, I'm off by one or I yeah. forgot one. Or like somebody put a tab instead of a But space. someone's like, no, this is a better way to do it. This is legitimately a better way. I don't know. I need to find that argument. I need someone to like send me that medium article where it's like, oh, this is why that's really good. I just, I just think of uh, all all the mental horsepower spent on like you know spaces as formatting when they could have been figuring out the optimal dishwashing algorithm, <laughs> right? There's, you could have such a such a wider positive effect on humanity instead of uh, the spaces. Who cares? It doesn't you know, doesn't matter. Oh. Spaces, no spaces. SDT you know, I, firmly against Python. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> no, no, you know, no. Let's, hold on. I don't, we don't want, we don't want that kind of backlash. I get it. Uh, Python. No, no, there, there is, there, there are actually a lot of benefits to just having that sort of brute force convention. I mean, it works for go. It works for Python. Um, it cuts off all sorts of other bugs. Every, all your programming looks the same. I mean, you know, Cote and I go back to the, the, the uh, the pearl days, man, it was like a free for all, you know. So, so maybe, may, maybe, maybe the the Python. Well, where do you, maybe I'm wrong, Matt. Is... Where do I come down? I just assume everyone's against this white space, but maybe I'm making no, it. No, are, you, are you in favor of it? Actually, like... having worked in an enterprise with other developers, you need to enforce that convention. I mean, and and uh, you may recall uh, working at, at a startup where um, there were fights between. Uh, to the engineering directors over formatting of our Java, and they'd go in and, and commit different style checkers uh, on top of each other uh, at BMC. <laughs> so, so you know, True. from week to week, the formatting of our Java code would change because these two uh, engineering managers couldn't agree. And it was just like, come on, people. But I felt like this uh, is where we've gotten with all the various code, like Visual Studio. I mean, they've got like a plugin for everything, right? I mean, you just yeah, you can do yeah. it. And it's like, you just pick what you want, you know, hit the the formatting tool uh, plugin that you like, and it just, boom, it just makes it the way you want. So that's why I always feel like, let's just get beyond the spaces thing. It's like, yeah, just, you can just find your own, the way that you like it, you know, do it. And then if, if I'm working on it, I'll just run my formatter on it and I'll do it but, my but, way. But, but like, to be okay. clear. 
I am not advocating going back to COBOL. <laughs> <laughs> not not happening. Well, no. uh, you know, I think I think at least we have uh, for Legacy Conf, we now have three talks, right? For we've me, got, in the, in, well, no, no, hold on. <laughs> in 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 the COBOL track, we've got you know JJ is going to have to do a talk. And I no. think I think now and then you and the programmer will have to do a talk. And now here's the magic of getting talks. Then we have a panel. You got two people. <laughs> you throw them on a panel well, afterwards. And, and, and to be fair, AWS put out a very extensive set of, of blog posts on COBOL, right? On Ooh. Lambda. So this is this is not new ground. I mean, this is, you know, I, I wish I was some sort of, you know, we were some sort of pioneer. But it's like, yeah, if you want to put this stuff up on uh, Lambda. It's there for the taking. And, you know, I, I write like a six page or six paragraph blog article because I'm like, that that should be enough. Right. You know, you don't want to bog it down. The Amazon one was like two articles with about 40 paragraphs on the history of COBOL. It was it was I, insane. I, I got to go see if those CBT Nuggets people have some COBOL lessons. <laughs> <laughs> that because that's that's what now. Let, OK, let me let me ask you this one <laughs> potentially last thing is. So if we're in the realm of, uh, I assume the kids still call it serverless, but you know, yeah, serverless lambda, lambda K native thing. Like, does COBOL want to be serverless? Does that work? It's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, the you know, if if uh, it's not that hard, I, I think the problem with the COBOL is like it's going to be hard to extricate it from the the web that it probably lives in. Right. It's yeah, like, like it's, own it's part of that strangler pattern where you have to find like, what is the one thing I can pull out of this that does something? And I honestly, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure there's going to be that much COBOL you can pull out like piecemeal like that. It's probably tied, you know, really big systems, but it's part of that strategy. So, well, I could imagine if you had a really like heinous hairball of COBOL that like calculated something for you, right? Like, like, you know, three decades of COBOL that's calculating how much your insurance you can sell that day, you know, by going through all this stuff, then maybe you would extract that out into some serverless thing. And uh, so so that your like reactive web app on Alexa or whatever could like, you know, <laughs> get access I to like it. That. The voice enabled reactive well, web app. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, the, hold the, on, Matt. Tell us, I, I mean, tell me if this is possible. Get, what about, it seems like COBOL, right? You have some weird calculation of, in COBOL, probably on a mainframe now, right? Let's just yeah, assume that yeah. for a second. So could, is the potential use case here, could I just wrap, uh, wrap a call in a, a little serverless uh-huh. function that basically says, okay, uh, you know, invoke this uh, serverless function, this Lambda, and then that behind the scenes will go out and, uh, you know, connect up to the mainframe, do the Strangler pattern, you know, run the, uh, uh, run the routine, get back the the necessary data I wanted, or is that just going to be too slow? I mean, is that just well, not going to work? Yeah, that, that, that was, we, you know, for this example, we're actually just taking a COBOL program and wrapping it in, in Go. Uh, so it had like a, an API. Um, but... That see see your your version is assuming that there's some sort of API into this COBOL system, and it's like you know what if you have an API, you've got a contract, and you can move that off. Yeah, most the work of those is systems, already done. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Most mm-hmm. of those systems like predate that, right? So, yeah, you have like some thirty two seventy like scrape, oh God, screen yeah, scraper yeah. thing you have to like invoke and then parse it. Yeah, I mean, oh. but the the cool thing is like after going through this little exercise, I, I kind of realized like pretty much any language could be wrapped this pattern, 
right? So it's like, you know, your company sitting on a boatload of small talk or something, well, you know, or Lisp or, you know, some older language that, you know, like, how am I going to get this off that box? You know, the, with the C bindings, you could, you could move just about anything, but where are you going to find the people to do it who want to do it? Right? I think Kote, I think once upon a time, Kote, did you write the secure shell collector? I can't remember who did that, where they basically yeah, wrote, you yeah, know, yeah. executed it. And then there's all the regular expenses. I don't know. Maybe, you know, for the right price, Kote is probably available. He could probably dust off some, uh, night two was we circa 2004 Java code, maybe see if make yeah. that work. I don't know. That's I, I once was a master of grepping, but, uh, no more. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to systems management is knowing how to grep. That really yeah. is. That's all you really need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my suggestion, uh, you might want to, uh, you know, uh, after the other thing you take to the board, Matt Ray, uh, take, takes us to your branding person is, uh, with, if you go further than this hole, I suggest the name of the COBOL product is trigger mesh with a bunch of Z's after it, just to kind of indicate the, uh, the machines that you'll be working on. And uh, oh. see, that's a little, little, little joke there. It yeah. writes itself. I don't, when you start using the AS 400s, I got nothing for you. <laughs> trigger mesh 400. That's what you need to call Ooh. it. Ooh. Small range. Uh, well, uh, also, you know, also in related news, uh, I think I mentioned my, as I mentioned for many months before this, my company had our Spring One conference. It may still be going on right now. Uh, I emceed a track that I helped put together. It was fun to see some of those talks and uh, do a little emceeing stuff. And we had a few announcements. Uh, the major, the major new thing we have in beta is uh, the, let me see if I got the branding right. The VMware Tomzu application platform or TAP as you could call it, which is, uh, uh, it, it's, this is not the official wording, but we have a, uh, basically a tool chain and a layer that you put on top of your Kubernetes stuff to just make the developer, uh, as we would say, experience better, but to fill in a lot of the gaps that developers have, if they want to uh, build their stuff on top of Kubernetes. And I was talking with one of my coworkers and, you know, I was thinking that, I'd have to I'd have to run this by because I feel like I am not an advocate or not advocate. I'm not a uh, I haven't been really following the semantics and the the semiotics and the ideas of this phrase developer experience. But I kind of think with a lot of this GitOps stuff and there's this whole realm of like the stuff you add on to Kubernetes to make it better for developers. And my current theory is that what we really should be calling it is enterprise architecture experience. Like, I think the developers, like, they're cool. Like, they, you know, they like things to, to help out. But, like, it's also a lot of what comes into this stuff is a lot of enterprise architecture. Just, like, putting up the guardrails, establishing patterns, like, making it so that people can't customize how they're using their cloud-native stuff, which sounds a lot like what enterprise architects do. But, uh, you know, EAX is harder to pronounce, I think, than DevX, e E-A-X. <laughs> I can't even say it very well. <laughs> but we'll see. It's it's uh we'll see how it evolves over the next year, but it's it'll be uh it'll be fun to see what's what's going on there. You know, there's this old wall of YAML term. And I actually uh our uh our longtime friend of the show, Jordy, over there at Weaveworks, I was on uh his pod, not his, but Weaveworks podcast, which he hosts now, and uh, we were talking about Kubernetes and, and the history of it. Hopefully that'll be out soon. It was fun talking about it. 
and uh, going through it. And, you know, I kind of, I tried not to be my uh, uh, overly snarky, like uh, overly dumb persona that I am here. But I did raise the point like that I think I raise here every now and then is if, if uh, you know, if there's this wall of YAML and it's so hard to use, like maybe the, the Kubernetes community should fix that. But I think I think I, I was watching one of the keynotes from uh, from Craig McLucky and he even like he did a pretty good job explicitly saying these, I'm not these are not his exact words, but he was like, oh, you know, we uh, we know it can be difficult to use when when developers and people come to this and it's confusing and we kind of never intended them to use it. So sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes. This is for a, uh, this is for another set of people. And uh, who, who, I forget who I was talking with. Huh. It was someone and I was, oh, I remember it was one of our, uh, our new teammates, Lee, who's uh, joined our team from Weaveworks uh, and, you know, works on Kubernetes. And I raised this question to him and, and he raised, he had a good retort. He was like, well, I mean, hard compared to what? Like, what's the alternative? Is right. that easier? Which uh, I think is a good uh, a good way of looking at it. But anyways, if you're interested, you should go check out the uh, the Tanzu application platform thing. We've got all sorts of stuff layered in there. And I think for me, it's interesting to see uh, not only what we're doing, but other people doing is they're kind of like to use the phrasing that I used for uh, COBOL to figure out like what Kubernetes wants from application developers, whether it actively wants it or just wants it by virtue of its nature, so to speak. I often think maybe Kubernetes doesn't want anything. It just wants to be left alone, not messed with. This wants to be free. Just give me the, I think, I think Lee put it funny when I asked him this, he said, uh, I think it wants containers. It just wants you to give it containers, <laughs> just a Pac-Man of containers. It wants like the that. YAML. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, uh, I think also, you know, in, in brief news, it looks like there's something called a Series H, which I've never heard of. <laughs> Data breaths. Uh, yeah. H stands for a whole lot of money. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's all we need to say on that topic. I think you're I think right. you should say, maybe we should just put uh, a word out here. It's like Databricks has raised $1.6 in a Series H. They are most well known for coining the term uh, data lake, uh, what? Lake House, I think it's what it Lake is. Lakehouse, yeah. Uh, and so I think it's interesting. So I don't know. Maybe maybe somebody wants to come on the show and explain exactly what a data lake house is and why it's different than a data warehouse and a data lake. Which I mean, I guess it's a combination of it from what I've read. But uh, rather than just speculate about like something I don't really know about, it's like what, clearly, clearly people are buying it. Or maybe said another way, clearly venture capitalists believe in it. So I, I, feel, I feel like there must be a similar pattern. You know, our, our favorite uh, pattern of APM gets reinvented over and over again. Right. And like, I feel like for as long as I can remember, like there have been data warehouses and everyone is always like, oh, data warehouses are terrible. And then there's another data warehouse. And so it feels like, can't we just like solve that problem? It seems like a persistent thing that there's always all this magic stuff coming into it. And there's, there's something weird with the cycle of data warehouses that it needs to be reinvented. All, all right. So someone uh, hit us up in the Slack or, you know, email me and, and tell us, come on and explain why data lake house is fixing the problems this Cote talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, don't you just like put Oracle in front of it and it solves all your problems. <laughs> That'll be, this that will definitely, you know what? We did it. That will definitely get us someone to, to contact us right there. <laughs> done, done and done Cote. 
Uh, well, do we have any uh, bureaucracy this episode, Brandon? We have a few things. So one, I want to thank, uh, I sent some stickers to Nikita in Estonia. So it's always good to hear from our listeners in Estonia. And of course, if you want a sticker, all you have to do is send me an email at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com with your postal address, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Also, a little follow-up from last week's show. So we uh, talked a little crypto, always dangerous for us to talk crypto. So we got <laughs> had some uh, lively chatter in the Slack uh, around all, all kinds of people. I'll call a few of them, uh, Andy, Rookie, Josh, Matt, uh, Ryan. So I think there was consensus that maybe we don't have our crypto story straight. So, you know, I think, hey, fair enough. Um, and I think uh, it's interesting. And I think one thing I did take away from it is uh, kind of just chatting with everyone in there. It's like probably at this point, just talking like crypto, it's so big that you probably have to narrow down. Just like, you know, we were talking about data warehouses or something. You kind of have to narrow down what you're talking about, whether you're talking about like a specific mm. coin or a specific NFT or something like that. So I appreciate everyone's feedback. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens with crypto. I don't know. Like I said in the, the previous episode, I'm always kind of interested in uh, um, what I'm missing out on. So I'll keep reading, if you will. And then finally, also want to uh, call out uh, Barton. He's a uh, friend here, friend of the show, works at Dell. He's looking for a consultant product manager uh, that can help them out with some cloud native offerings. And that position is remote at Dell. So uh, I don't know, you probably work, kind of work with Kote, at least in the, the broad uh, ecosystem, at least for a little bit longer until VMware is officially its own company. But if you want a job, uh, just go ahead and you can uh, reach out to me or reach out to Barton Directory directly and uh, i'm sure i'll be happy to, to to tell you more about that opportunity i i learned that that barton is an avid listener of the show he made he made some references to lumber offhandedly and i was like whoa <laughs> that's that's kind of a that's kind of a deep, deep pull there yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's a uh, good good for barton he uh, he's he's enjoying the show well uh there's there's several conferences coming up uh the one the spring one has already come up so there you go. And, <laughs> but there'll be a lot of recordings to go watch. But next week, uh, I'm going to be speaking remotely uh, at the DevOps Day Zurich. It's September 7th and 8th, and I'll be giving a uh, metrics talk there. I don't think I'm doing my uh, a pre-recorded one, so it'll be live, which, which will be fun. And uh, there's also, there's two more DevOps-related things. There's DevOps World by CloudBees, September 28th to 30th. Uh, I don't think we have a panel there. Maybe we should uh, ask them if we could have one. That's what we need to start doing. What do you think? Just like if you want us to advertise your conference, we just need a panel. And they'll say, can you give us a title and abstract? And be like, do you want an ad? <laughs> Anyways. And then uh, maybe actually the CEO brand is probably like, Cote would be better to be given money. Uh, <laughs> that is uh, much easier. Uh, but there's also a DevOps loop that uh, I've helped put together. It's uh, October 4th. There's a really great lineup there, totally free to uh, show up to. There's that conference in Texas, January 17th to 20th. And then KubeCon is 11th to the 15th, and uh, it'll be in person and also virtual since uh, that's necessary nowadays. So there's a lot of conferences going on. You can attend in various modes of presence. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Presence? I was going to say reality, but I think it's, uh, hmm, there must be a word for that if you're there or not. Uh, as always, you should join our Slack channel. All sorts of great stuff we go over there. Discussions, side conversations. 
there's a great little uh, slide presentation. I think people have collaborated on it. Uh, some funny nature pictures and little commentary uh, with funny pictures of animals for tech nerd people thingies. So with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, my, my pick this week is a, a series that I think it actually ended a, a few years ago, but uh, I've been binge watching it lately. It's called uh, Broad City. It was on uh, Comedy Central. Um, if uh, I think the closest I could come up for a comparison was, was uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where you, know, you have a couple of uh, completely unredeemable um, main characters. It's, uh, it's quite funny quite raunchy uh but uh you know if you're looking for something to to fill up your your uh watching queue i highly recommend it uh i laugh out loud at least once an episode how about yourself brandon what do you have to recommend i think uh probably a few months ago i recommended just a, a wireless chi charger <laughs> i, th- I now, thought you were gonna say you already recommended broad city i was like God uh, damn it, no i haven't can't can't say i, I think maybe I, I don't know i can't i definitely didn't recommend it so and uh and i can't remember if i watched it or not so i can't i can't add to your recommendation at all it's week. good um i'll take take your word for it but i did uh so i had um you know i guess i'm i'm all in here on maybe just uh cleaning up all the various wires i have in my house so i ended up getting this uh this one from my uh bed stand here or nightstand it's a, a three in one so as i guess if you just get more and more devices that you just kind of lay next to your bed to have to charge so i've got the what the i mm. my iphone i've got my apple watch i've got my earbuds and it's great so it's three three in one it got let me get rid of a bunch of cables and just it's just a big mess over there so it's I don't know. I'm surprised how happy these small little chargers make me. So I don't know if you find yourself with uh, too many devices and too many lightning cables and then uh, check out this three in one. Uh, what is it? Chi fast charging station. It was pretty cheap on Amazon and it's brought me some small joy. I hope it brings you the same. That is, that's a handsome looking charging thing. Now, does, does the Apple watch do wireless charging or does it still need its own little funky charger thing? No, That's, well, this one you just you know it has it included. You just it has the little magnet. Oh so yeah, it has a little indentation. But yeah, you do have to use. There's no way to charge an Apple Watch without that. You know, having that little fancy. That seems uh, so thing. weird. Like that, why they don't have that in there? And I mean, it, uh, surely it can't be the conspiracy theory of wires because I, I can't imagine that that many people buy extra watch charging wires. Like so, I don't know. They should just make it general general charging. Well. I think this is probably a repeat recommendation, but I think I think it's it's good that I'll recommend it. So I I recently reread and re-listened to this this book that I really like called uh, Short Life in a Strange World, about this guy who goes and visits as many Bruegel paintings as possible. Now you might know Bruegel as I think that's a Bosch painting, but it's not. It's its own uh, type <laughs> of painting, and uh, you know it's just uh, it's it's just this weird like memoir like uh idle thinking and then also like some art history book kind of all mixed together and it's uh it's kind of delightful and relaxing to listen to it has it has a lot of uh i noticed in the second reading he uses this little thing where he's listing a bunch of stuff and then he just kind of wraps it up by going and so on and i think that phrase kind of summarizes the whole outlook on life the book comes to is just like "Mm," and so on just uh that's that's what's happening here so uh as always this has been software defined talk if you want to get the show notes for this episode you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/318 you can see a link 
to uh, our Slack channel, how to subscribe, the email that we send out, and so on. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Matt loves that dog, even though he complains about it. We know deep down you love the dog. I don't know. Maybe you don't love the dog. I, 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 have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was a chance for you to like. The, 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 there's a, a daily tally of how much has this dog cost me and something chewed up today. Um, <laughs> the uh, he, he, he hit his fourth retainer. He loves those things. Um, but the, uh, the, the dentist is now charging us uh, a bulk rate. So uh, only $150 <laughs> for this one. Oh, <laughs> it's, that's rough. <laughs> Oh, the dog this week uh yes. he, he chewed up all the um we have some uh night lights in the hall you know so people can see you know so they don't have to flip on all the lights he chewed those off the walls um so nothing is safe man it's painful it's it there's there's like a metaphor in there of like you know uh get developers excited and then operations people have to take care of it it's like you know you get you get <laughs> get kids excited about the dog and then and then the the parents end up having to like do everything yeah yeah i was i was in the the uh the zoom puppy training by myself yeah (laughs) just just, thanks kids